Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 332. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading. My name is Stephen Fennick and I'm the editor of techguide.com. On this week's show, Samsung has announced the launch date for the Galaxy S10, and we're going to talk about what we can expect to see. Netgear has also unveiled its new range of wireless devices for 2019, and the top 10 reasons why electric bikes will be a hot item in 2019. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Roadcaster Pro podcast production studio that we happen to be using right now. Neurophone has released a new pair of earphones that adapt to your hearing just like their headphones do and will round up even more quirky gadgets that we discovered at the Consumer Electronics Show. And we'll wrap it all up with the Tech Guide Help Desk and it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A massive show for you, so let's dive right in. Well, Samsung has formally announced that February the 20th is going to be the launch date for their Galaxy S10 smartphone. And this time out, it is in the US, but not in New York. They normally have all their uh, mobile phone launches in New York. This time around, it's going to be held in San Francisco. Uh, It's going to be Feb 20, so it'll be Feb 21 Australian time. And it is the 10th year of the Galaxy device, so we can expect something really special. And a little little bit of trivia, they're going to be holding it at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium in San Francisco, the very same venue that's been used by Apple in the past for the 2016 Worldwide Developers Conference keynote, as well as the iPhone 6S and iPhone 7 launches for those who are keeping track Samsung using the same venue. I don't think that's ever been done before. The, these companies have shared the same launch venue for their flagship phones. Well, this year, it's happening. So what can we expect to see with the Galaxy S10? There's been a lot of rumors around. This is a device that, like the iPhone, it does attract a lot of speculation, a lot of rumors, a lot of leaked images or reported leaked images But one thing I've noticed about the S10 is that these leaks and rumors have been fairly consistent and you can, you can tell you're on a winner there when the rumors start, that all the rumor mongers all start agreeing with each other. 
they must be singing off the same hymn sheet, which in this case means their information is accurate. So what can we see with the Galaxy S10? Well, the the biggest news I think is that there there is a talk that there's going to be t- there's going to be not two versions as there usually is there's going to be three versions of the S10. You know how there's normally the S S last year for example was the S9 and then they had the S9 Plus. Well, this year there's going to be the S10, and if, if this information is accurate, of course, there's going to be the S10 Plus. But they're also talking about having a, an S10 Lite version which is smaller than any other devices. The S10, they're saying, will be 6.1-inch screen. S10 Plus will be 6.4, but the S10 Lite will be 5.8, so smaller. So uh, in in terms of the the features that you'll find, obviously Lite, as its name suggests, is going to have not as many of the features that you would expect to find in the S10 and the S10 Plus. Those features include, uh, well, let's talk about cameras for a start. The S10 will have three cameras, one on the front, two on the back. And the S10 Plus will have four, two on the front and two on the back. But let's talk about where those cameras are. On the back, of course, plenty of room to put them. On the front, now, what, what Samsung's they, they introduced with the Infinity display was this amazing edge-to-edge screen that nearly went top to bottom. Well, with the S10, it is going to go top to bottom. And the cameras, if these leaked images and rumors are correct, the camera is going to peek out of a little hole punch on the screen. That's what they're calling this technology, a hole punch screen. So on the single lens camera, there'll be a tiny hole where the camera is peeking out from from one of the corners. I think it's the top right corner. With the S10 Plus, there's going to be two cameras. So that hole punch is slightly larger to accommodate the two cameras. And again, top right-hand corner. So this allows there to be no notch. Samsung would never have a notch because it's copying Apple. Apple were the first to introduce a notch with the iPhone 10, and other companies have followed. Other other Android companies, uh, smartphones running Android, have followed, including the Google Pixel 3, uh, numerous other devices, but not Samsung. They've never had a notch, never will have a notch, and this is their way around it with that with the hole punch screen. So expect to see those. So two cameras on the S, so three cameras on the S10, four cameras on the S10 Plus, and probably just two cameras on the lot, I'd imagine, one on the front, one on the back. Now, the other big new feature will be an in-screen fingerprint reader, which we first saw with the Huawei, the Mate 20 Pro. If you can recall, that was the first device I saw with an in-screen fingerprint reader. This will have, these will have it. The light version will not. So the S10, S10 Plus will have that in-screen fingerprint reader. Light will not. There'll also be, and this is uh, this is big news as a feature because they're still they've still got it. A headphone jack. So for those of you who love connecting the cable, you're going to see that on the S10 and S10 Plus. If these rumors are consistent and and correct, that is, light will not have a headphone jack. Would you believe? So there are you can only connect wirelessly. That according to these rumors and leaks. Now, the timing of this launch is an interesting one. February the 20th is just a few days before Mobile World Congress, which is the annual mobile phone trade show that's held in Barcelona. 
And last year, if you can recall, the S9 was actually launched at that show at in Barcelona. So I think Samsung, with the timing of this, they want sort of the uh, the stage to themselves. They they want their own oxygen in this uh, at their own launch. If they do launch at Mobile World Congress, they're one of many companies launching a device. Which you you can you can it's a safe bet to to assume that other companies like LG. Oppo, Huawei, they're going to have something to say at Mobile World Congress. And Samsung, by having their announcement outside of Mobile World Congress, is going to give these other companies their more oxygen at that event. So Samsung won't be dominating if they're going to launch their device a few days earlier. But that's not to say that they won't have a presence. They may have other devices to launch at Mobile World Congress. It would be unusual for Samsung to have no presence there. So I think perhaps they'll still have their massive presence at Mobile World Congress to show off the S10. The launch itself will be in San Francisco on the other side of the world, but they'll still have a platform at Mobile World Congress to talk about the S10 and any other devices. You've got to remember 5G's around the corner, and according to Telstra, they're going to have devices operating on 5G in the first half of this year. So my assumption is that Samsung will be one of those companies to offer a device, and that could be the product that maybe is launched at Mobile World Congress uh, after all. So, yeah, I think the timing, as I said, is going to be an interesting one, and we're going to wait and see what Samsung is going to do in Barcelona. We know, of course, that Feb 20 in the U.S. is going to be the big S10 launch, but that surely will carry forward a few a few days later at Mobile World Congress. The Billy Graham Civic Auditorium is where it's going to happen, and uh, a lot of anticipation around this product. There is, there, I'm pretty sure this isn't going to be a 5G device. It's a pretty safe bet that this won't be. This will still be a 4G product. I think they're going to have another device that's going to be 5G that we'll hopefully find out sooner rather than later. But perhaps the second half of the year may be when we we see a 5G device. So maybe the, a note, the Note 10 might be 5G. Don't forget there's also a folding smartphone heading our way from Samsung as well. So keep an eye out for that also. That's probably second half or perhaps towards the end of, of this year. We're going to see the Infinity Flex display in an actual product. So plenty of plenty to come from Samsung this year. I think they're going to have a massive year on the phone front. We've got S10 coming in February. We've got the Note 10 coming in the second half of the year, a folding device, a 5G device, plenty of stuff to look forward to. But if you want to read more about the S10 and that event, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Well, while we were at uh, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, we did get a chance to catch up with our good sponsors, Netgear. They are a sponsor of our show. We'll put that out there. Uh, they have been a supporter of Tech Guide for quite a while. But we, we did, of course, uh, see their new products, and we do want to talk about it on the show. They've got an interesting range of, of devices for 2019, and, it's, and they're not all routers. They're, we'll get to a product that's uh, that's really a, a departure for Netgear in terms of uh, the offering. It's it's not your no, typical modem router, but it is an interesting new product that they've introduced. We'll talk about that in a moment. But let's kick off with Orbi. Orbi's going to be, uh, again, uh, an improvement to that system. Orbi's been their hero product for many years now, this mesh Wi-Fi system. We're going to see as well this year 
Orbi Voice, which is a satellite that also includes a high-quality speaker, actually tuned by Harman Kardon. So, you know, Orbi has a base station that you plug into your modem, and then there's a satellite you put in other parts of your house. The satellite is that smart speaker. So you kind of have kind of two birds with one stone. With that, you're going to have the convenience of a, of a satellite and better Wi-Fi, as well as a smart speaker that is, uh, that is actually Alexa-enabled. They've also, and we've spoken about that on the in, in the past. They've also just released to or or Orbi Outdoor, which is the extending that connection in the backyard. There's a fully weatherproof system. This satellite can sit on your wall outside. You can put the hose on it, apparently, and uh, it's okay for extending your Wi-Fi signal into your yard, out to the shed, out by the pool. So really good for Australian lifestyle, actually. But the the one we're waiting for is probably towards the middle of the year, and this is going to be the Orbi Wi-Fi 6. Now, the Wi-Fi 6 version of Orbi is going to be based on the latest Wi-Fi standard, which is 802.11ax. So it allows an even better connection to even more devices in our home. You think about how many devices there are, it can have, it can offer a, an even better connection to to that in our home. So uh, that that's coming second half of the year. They've called it Wi-Fi 6, which is kind of the other name for 802.11ax. Uh, so that, that that's coming as well. And also, of course, backwards compatible with previous wireless standards as well. Uh, r- really cool. Looking forward to that one. But let's talk about a, another one of their products that we know, ver- we know very well is the Nighthawk. And the Nighthawk AX12 in particular. Now, you look at this device, oh, it looks like Batman's plane. It's just got these massive wings. It's called Nighthawk. It looks like a Nighthawk. It looks like a bat. It's got this very aggressive design. But it, too, will support Wi-Fi 6, which is four times increased data capacities to handle our growing home networks and the sheer number of products that we actually use on our home networks. The Nighthawk AX12, expect that. On the mobile side, they've got a couple of products. They've got the uh, they've got a five G hotspot that they're going to introduce. It's already uh, for sale in the states in America on the AT and T mobile five G network. So this is a mobile broadband product, but they're also going to introduce a four G LTE mobile hotspot that will be available on the Telstra network. Uh, it's it's a, an up, an upgrade from their M1 mobile hotspot, yeah, but this device is going to be capable of speeds of two gigabits per second. That's twenty times faster than the NBN, and this is on four G LTE. Don't forget, not five G. So that's a pretty impressive result for a four G LTE product, and it'll be available exclusively on the Telstra network. Now, the other product we're talking about. This is a departure for Netgear. This is a a, a product that art lovers and photography lovers will really enjoy. It's called Mural. That's spelled M-E-U-R-A-L. And it's basically a digital frame. So it can display a work of art or photography and can then display them like a like a slideshow. You, you can have different photographs and different works of art. You can have one work of art and it just stays there. You can just wave your hand in front of the frame maybe to change it. But you'll also have access to collections, and, and Netgear described this as having, it's like a playlist for art. So you know when you've got a music playlist, it's like this, this list that's been put together, songs been put together for you to enjoy? Well, imagine that, but, a, but works of art or photography that you can enjoy as well. So you download it to Mural, uh, 
put it up on the frame and then you can wave your hand in front of the in front of the frame there's a gesture control for you to move between different works of art and different photography as well different photographs and of course the not all photographs are in portrait mode or works of art for that matter are in portrait mode some of them are in landscape mode so what it comes with is a special mount that allows you just to twist the frame on the wall to suit the work of art you want to display. So if it's a landscape work of art, you need to twist it so it's wide, so it gives you a wide screen look. If it's portrait, then you twist it back up so that it's, uh, it's more vertical and it gives you that longer, deeper look. So that, that it can ha- and, and it adjusts in a few seconds to its new orientation. Really cool new product. It is it is like a digital photo frame on steroids. It's, it is really remarkable with those gesture controls and it's got that, that frame, the screen that's not too shiny. So it's got that matte-like screen so you can appreciate the work of art rather than just looking at reflections off the lights in your house. So the mural canvas, it is going to be released in the first half of 2019. Netgear doing a great job, and as we said, they are our sponsors, but we uh, we did want to talk about their new products for 2019. If you want to read more about those, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, we've we've heard of electric cars, uh, and I know I have because I drive one. I've got a Tesla Model S, which I love, uh, EV, so it's not using petrol. It'll charge it up at home or at the superchargers, wherever I happen to be. And it is really a game changer in the in the in the motoring sense, uh, in the motoring side, and is inspiring other companies to do the same. The Jaguar I Pace, I think, is available now, and Mercedes Benz have got an electric vehicle coming. Audi, all all these big companies, these big motoring companies, are moving towards electric vehicles. But what about electric bikes? And we were contacted uh, about this story by our our the guys over at the Dolomiti Electric Bike Shop. Their website's linked from our story. And we were talking to John Zanol, who is the head of Dolomiti in Australia, the Dolomiti Electric Bikes. And he was telling us about how the e-bikes are going to have a pretty big impact in 2019. And he, in fact, gave us 10 reasons why e-bikes are going to have a big year and he said they've evolved so much over the last few years so uh, not just a, a recreational device anymore there's a lot of benefits whether it's for personal transportation or exercise and we thought we'd go through them quickly now why the top 10 reasons why e-bikes will be a hot item in 2019 number one wide choice of styles there are going to be in the past there's been pretty clunky versions of the technology but batteries and motors are a lot smaller and sleeker nowadays and integrated into the frame of the e-bike so e-bikes are looking pretty much like a regular bike as a matter of fact number two different models for different uses there are now a range of models to suit what you want to do whether you want to have a standard bike a mountain e-bike a road bike a step through frame a fold even a foldable e-bike so plenty of bikes to suit your taste and your different uses number three user friendly options they now have heated seats you can adjust your heat your seat height just by using a lever on your handlebars. So while you're riding, you can adjust your seat height. That's something you couldn't do with a regular bike. 
Number four, hills are no longer an obstacle. Everyone who's ridden a bike knows if there's a big hill, it's a big effort to ride it. Well, now with an e-bike, you do have some assistance. Now, you've got to remember these e-bikes have pedals, so they look like a normal bike. And what the motor does is give you assistance, whether it's complete assistance or part assistance. So you can adjust the amount of assistance you receive when pedaling, including when you're going up a hill. Number five, confidence in exercising increases. So riding an e-bike means that you can ride longer and keep up with other people. So you, just knowing you've got that backup of a motor really can increase your confidence, whether you're riding with people or on your own, training, getting up the hills, all that sorts of things. Number six, well, you don't have to wear Lycra. You can wear what you want. Now, with, with electric motor on a bike, you can, as we said, control the level of assistance that you receive. So now you can opt for more assistance or less assistance. So if you were considering, for example, of riding your bike to work, you'd be it's a big effort, you'd have to get to work, you'd have to probably have a shower, change, you'd be all sweaty. But with an e-bike, if you've got plenty of assistance, uh, the effort level is less and you can just wear your normal work clothes to work. Uh, the motor's helping you get there. Less sweat means less one less change of clothes at the start of the day. Number seven, we kind of touched on this, keeping up with the pack. Now, other bike riders, they, they do ride together and they do ride fast. Well, now, no fear of being left behind. The e-bike has got your back, especially with the motor built in. Number eight, it is cheaper than a car and public transport. E-bikes are... They're not the cheapest around. There are e-bikes that can cost six, seven thousand dollars, as there are normal normal bikes that cost that much. But in this case, uh, one charge for the e-bike will cost around ten cents, and that will get you uh, give you about two hundred kilometers of range. So imagine if your commute to work is say call it six kilometers, so six there, six back, so twelve kilometers a day. For ten cents, you're covered for range for 200 k's so your public transport costs uh is really low and you're much 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 cheaper than running a car and so yeah getting around differently it's save price on fuel everything there significantly cheaper the e-bike is definitely another great great uh reason for getting one number nine it's ideal for getting over injuries so you think about it is a a lot of if you've had an injury and a good exercise to get back yourself back into fitness and on your feet is is cycling. So here is a the e-bike gives you that backup of you managing your exertion levels. So when you are ready to go full full speed then you can be using the pedals more. When you're not ready the motor play comes into play. So you're not as pedaling as much. So Really low impact and ideal for that for setting just how much effort you want to provide. And number 10, of course, green and sustainable. They've no carbon footprint. If you want to feel good about yourself, uh, then you can ride an e-bike as well. And think that you've done your bit for the environment. An e-bike will definitely help you do that. If you want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, you probably have antivirus on your computers and on your tablets, but did you know that your router could be letting hackers into your home? 
The router is the heart of the connected home, but can also provide an entry point for hackers to attack anything connected to your network. They can infect your devices, steal your information, and even spy on your home. And unfortunately, just password protecting your router won't block these threats. Introducing Norton Core, a smart and more secure Wi-Fi router that delivers speed and security all in one. Norton Core delivers next-gen Wi-Fi speeds to every corner of your home while helping to protect all of your connected devices, your computers, phones, smart TVs, baby monitors, gaming consoles, smart speakers, and much more, protecting them from digital threats by blocking them at the network level. With built-in parental controls, Norton Core also lets you set screen time limits by device or by user. You can set content filters and even pause the internet across your home all from an easy-to-use smartphone app. Norton Core, the smart and more secure Wi-Fi router, is available now at your local Harvey Norman store. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Tech Guide. Alrighty, our review this week, our kickoff review is the Rodecaster Pro. We've been using it all show, as a matter of fact. We've been using it actually since episode 330. We're up to 332 now, so this is the third podcast that we've used, that we've recorded using the Rodecaster Pro. Now, this is a complete podcast studio solution. In the past, and we've been producing our podcast for Tech Guide, and I'm also one half of the Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long. And we've been producing podcasts for more than seven years. And one thing I've got to say, I wished this was around seven years ago. Starting a podcast can be pretty intimidating for someone who doesn't know much about audio or technology to begin with. And for me, it was a case of putting together all this equipment, a mixer, a mic. Uh, I had to get stings and use my iPad, and and it was quite a technical thing. And mixers, though, are not designed for podcasters exclusively. They're designed for other studio work. So you kind of had to fit them into your workflow to make it work for your podcast. You had to fit in your mics and do all that. And it was not an on-rails experience. You really had to – it was a trial and error situation. And for anyone who started a podcast can can appreciate the fact that it is difficult enough just doing the podcast, let alone worrying about all the technical requirements as well. But with the Rodecaster Pro, it's purpose-built. They've put everything together in one product – to give podcasters everything they need. There, there are four mic inputs. There are preamps on board. There are all the faders you need all the, for, for each of the mics. There is a screen that can so you can see your live levels. There's a big recording button and a built-in micro or a, a memory card slot so you can record directly to a micro SD card. Uh, there are also pads where you can uh, have your jingles and interviews and stings uh, on there as well. And, and it's really simply put together for anyone to recognize just what, what you need to do. So, for example, the best example is the green and red buttons at the bottom of each fader. There's a green button with an ear on it, and there's a red button with a picture of a speaker with a line through it. So it's really easy to understand that the green button, you press that so that that channel's live. The red button is the mute button. Just one example of how simple it is to to 
put this together and operate during a podcast. Uh, the fact also that it's it's several products in one. That's what I like about it. It's combined a few things in one. One, it's it's the mixer. Number two, it's the recorder. So you can actually record directly to the Procaster. What I do is uh, the ro- the Rodecaster. What I do is record not only to the Rodecaster but also to my computer. I'm recording this to uh, my iMac, but I've also got a backup on uh, on the memory card on the Rodecaster. Uh, each of the headphones has their own uh, volume control for each of the mics, so you may have people, like people, up to four people in in your studio recording through their own mics. But what I like about it is you can also link phones and tablets uh, and your computer, of course. The computer you can link. I've linked it with a USB cable to record, so recording into my audio software. But you can also link a phone. Now, in my case, I've got my iPad linked to the Rodecaster. Because not all of my stings fit in the eight pads. I've got more than that. I've got 12 stings in my show, I think 13. So the first half of the show, all my, more my stings and my intro and everything, all those, those music and IDs you hear between each segment, each, I've assigned each of them to a different, one of the eight different pads. And when I go past, uh, the eighth pad, I then revert back to the iPad, which is wirelessly connected to the roadcaster because it's got Bluetooth on board. So you might be able to use that. For example, you might be interviewing someone on the phone. So you can link your phone to the roadcaster and that, that feed is then brought in wirelessly through, through the mixer. So you can record it as part of your show. Uh, so they've thought of everything. Uh, what I like about it is that they've combined all these products and I can't believe no one thought about doing this sooner. It's daunting enough for a new podcaster to just know what to say in the podcast, let alone worrying about the technical side of things with with your regular mixers and other equipment. This does everything in one. And there's technology built in as well so that it sounds even better as well. Technology you'd normally expect in a professional studio setup. I'm talking about the built-in Aphex Aural Exciter and big bottom features so that it's one less thing you've got to worry about. So even if your levels are going too high, it has it kind of normalizes your show on the fly, which by that I mean one input or one mic doesn't dominate the whole thing. It all, it all keeps it within a couple of decibel range of each other, which, which on a normal mixer, that just doesn't happen. You've got to do that in software. But here it happens at when you're recording. And the result, if I'm hoping you're hearing this, is a rich and warmer tone to the show. So it does sound like you're sitting inside a professional studio. Now, I'd like to think before, or when I was using my Yamaha mixer and all the other gear that I've got set up in my little studio here, I'd like to think that sounded pretty good as well. But with the Rodecaster, those other features have got your back and also having all these features built into one product rather than spreading it out over two or three really makes the job a lot easier as well. Uh, the oh, the screen is your is your gateway to the product, so you can set up your mics. It, it even goes down to recognise the type of mic that's there. I'm using the Rode Procaster mic as well, so um, that that's that's being recognised on the system as well. You can even set up what sort of voice you've got, whether it's deep, whether it's high, whether it's strong or medium. There's all these things that are built in 
to just help you record the best podcast you possibly can. Uh, there's ways of, of accessing the settings through the screen. You can even play back your show through the screen as well. Uh, see what devices are connected via Bluetooth. Everything is at your fingertips, literally at your fingertips. All the, all the faders, the screen is a touchscreen, of course. There's a big record button that you can't miss. Uh, there's volume controls for each of the headphones and a master volume control for your output as well. Uh, there's headphone jack in the back. You can connect your phone. If it, if there does have a headphone jack, you can connect your phone via a cable or if it doesn't have a headphone jack like most phones nowadays, you've got the Bluetooth option as well. And, of course, I mentioned as well, you've got the USB connection. So there's a USB-C port on the back of the of the Rodecaster, which, which connects to your computer. Whether you're using a Mac or a PC, it will connect there as well. Uh, an amazing all-round solution. Um, one little wrinkle that we found, and, and I think this is a problem unique to us, we were talking earlier about fitting. We, we've got a soundboard. We, I've got the iPad Pro, and I've got an app called Soundboard that allows me to uh, have in place at my fingertips all of my stings. So all the music and stuff you hear between segments, uh, when I say, you know, read more at techguide.com.au, you hear a little bit of music. That's called a sting. And all of those are programmed into my iPad Pro using uh, an app. And what I did, I had I connected first of all with a cable, uh, USB C to three point five mil adapter. That cable then connected to the Rodecaster. And when I was playing the Stings, a funny thing would happen: the volume of the iPad would turn down and eventually mute itself every time I pressed a Sting. So I found that rather odd. So what I thought, well, let's try it via Bluetooth, and then via Bluetooth it worked. It connected and was okay until. Every time I pressed, so if you, for show Tech Guide 330 and 331, uh, I had all my stings on the iPad. For this show, I've got half of them on the Roadcaster and the other half on the iPad. Now, when I press the iPad sting off the, off the app, the sting would start like it's halfway through the sting. So I'd have to press stop and then hit the sting again and then go back and edit that into the show to get rid of the half sting that I stopped and cut that out and then let the other sting play. So that was a really weird thing where it would not start from the start of the file of that sting. It would start like a couple of seconds in, which is rather annoying. That's the reason I put some of them on the roadcaster because they, they, they instant, the second you hit the button is when they're playing. So there's, there's, there's no, there's no time that you have to wait for the stings to to be heard when it's playing off the pads on the roadcaster. But these other issues with the iPad, I'm, I'm trying to work through them. Hopefully, I'll, I'll get to the bottom of it. Uh, so I don't know whether it's a, a little uh, uh, eccentricity of the app or the iPad or what it is, but I'm trying to eliminate all of these issues. So uh, that is the Rodecaster Pro. Apart from that little wrinkle I had with the iPad, this is a, a brilliant device. It's 839 bucks, which for what you get is actually pretty good value. You don't have to buy a separate recorder. So this works by itself. So if you were just out on the road with a mic and a PowerPoint, this will record your show. You can do everything on this recording your show uh, and, and as well as controlling all your stings and your pads and all of that. It works on its own. Uh, so you don't have to record directly to a computer. You can be just recording to the micro SD card and then import that into your into your software later. 
So really good that it's a it's an all in one solution. I'm again surprised that no one hasn't thought about this before. And great news that an Australian company like Road, they are an Aussie company, has come up with this. And I've got to say, of all the people I've spoken to about this, that are other podcasters and people in the tech community, it is a hit. This this product. Uh, the Rodecaster Pro, eight hundred thirty nine bucks, which I think is a steal. That's a that's great value. I've I've put my review as well as all the uh, the specs. I think a lot of people like to know things like the mic inputs and the frequency ranges and things like the gain, uh, power requirements. All of that information is listed on my uh, in my review as well as the dimensions. It's actually not too big. It's slightly wider than my older mixer. But it's not like this massive device. It fits nicely and neatly on my on my desk here in the studio. So uh, size-wise, not a problem. But all of those stats, all the specs, and, of course, my complete review, you can find that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. All righty. Well, that was uh, that was uh, that was a big segment talking about the uh, the roadcaster. Well, next up, we are talking now about the Neura Loop. Now, remember a few weeks back we spoke about Neura phones. They are those headphones that can adapt to how you hear audio. So, what happens with the headphones? It plays a sound into your ears, and would you believe your ear makes a noise in response? This is called an autoacoustic emission, OAE for short. This is the sound your ear makes in response to audio mapping. It is this sound that Neurophone uses to create your own personal listening profile. So how you hear music, it's tailored to you and your ears and how you listen. The app gives you a great way to toggle between the regular playback and your personalized playback, and it is totally different. So much richer and warmer and better is your own personal profile. Well, what Neurophone has done now is brought that technology to a smaller form factor. They've brought it down to an earphone, and they're calling it the Neura Loop. Now, this was unveiled for the first time at CES in Las Vegas, a couple of weeks ago, the Neuraloop wireless earphones that offer that same personalized sound. They say it's like creating a pair of glasses for your ears because it can it knows exactly how you've got to hear sound and it, it adjusts that profile just for you, just like a pair of glasses adjust to how you see and your vision. So uh, I like that term, a pair of glasses for your ears. And again, the Neuraloop will use that same principle to give you that personalized audio output. So it's got an in-ear bud and then combines that with an over-the-ear loop and connecting to your mobile device using Bluetooth. It does come, though, with an additional cable, a magnetic cable. So if you're on a plane or you want to connect to your device with a cable, you can do that as well. Now, there's also on board active noise cancellation. So uh, if it's perfect for a flight or public transport. And as well, you do have the ability to hear your surroundings. There is a social mode where you can actually listen in on whatever's happening around you without actually having to take out a bud or take out off both earbuds. So Neuraloop will, will have that feature. I've mentioned they've got a detachable magnetic cable. So because on a plane, the plane doesn't have Bluetooth unless you buy a little transmitter, but 
that's another story. A cable's a lot easier to connect during a flight, so you can watch the in-flight entertainment and enjoy that great noise cancellation as well. The earphones have water, they're built in, uh, they've got water resistance, so great for training. Uh, you can sweat as much as you want. Uh, there's an onboard rechargeable battery that the company is saying will last all day. So that's an interesting one. Now, we're not going to see this till later this year, probably the second half of 2019. So pricing and a release date have not been determined. They haven't decided that. Now, the, the newer phone themselves, the headphones, are like $499 headphones. Uh, so they're up there with the Sonys and Bose headphones of the world. So I'm anticipating these to be probably up there as well. I'd say probably $350, $399 maybe these may come in. If it's cheaper, even better. But I've got to say, based on my Neurophone review, the headphones are brilliant. That how how I hear my music now, it's like hearing my favorite music for the first time. It, it does tailor that playback just for you. And I'm looking forward to trying out the Neural Loop, which is, will allow that to have that same feature, but in the form of an in-ear earphone. The Neural Loop, you could read about that at techguide.com.au. Now, we're going to round up a couple more products that we saw at the Consumer Electronics Show. The first one is the Welt Belt. This is a wellness belt, and it's got a sensor built into the buckle. And it's because it's, it's a still a regular belt, so it can still hold your pants up. But it is a sensor built in, so it can record your activity, can tell you when you're sitting down for too long, uh, tell you even if you – it can alert people if you've had a fall – but can also tell you if your waistline is expanding. It is a belt after all, so it knows it's sitting on your belt, on your waist all day, so it can subtly tell you that you're eating too much or you need to do more exercise. It's sitting right there all day, so it's got a front row seat to what you're doing, whether you're, you're training, uh, whether you're, uh, or whatever you happen to be eating. If you're, if you're overeating, this will be the first product that will know it. So the Welt Belt, keep an eye out on that one. The other product we looked at was Volo. Now, this was the world's first cordless hairdryer. And with the cord, we've cut the cord on the phone. We've cut the cord on lots of other products. Now, they've cut the cord on the hairdryer. And now, a lot of people are thinking, well, this doesn't really sound like a big deal. Let me tell you, it is. It's a massive deal. And this company has been working on this, this concept for quite a while because Hair dryers use a lot of power. So getting rid of the cord meant they had to reinvent the whole heating mechanism on board Volo so that it can still dry your hair pretty quickly but without using a ton of power that can only be delivered uh, usually by a cord from your PowerPoint. So here there's a built-in battery just like a cordless drill. You know how cordless drills work now? This has the same built-in battery set up like that, but it has redesigned the whole heating mechanism so that it's using, it's still giving you that same drying capability, but using far less energy so that the battery lasts longer. And the cord's are not in your way anymore. Anyone, if any of you ladies are listening or guys who hair dry, they blow dry their hair, the cord can get in the way, especially if you're trying to comb your hair at the same time. Uh, so getting rid of the cord, uh, big tick for for Volo, and uh, that'll be out in Australia in the coming months. The last the little product that we're going to round up here that we saw at CES was from well-known beauty company Neutrogena, and this is called Mask ID. 
And the whole idea of this is creating your own mask to suit your specific skin needs. So what it does, it uses an app so that you take a photo of your face. So that, that's for mapping purpose. So it knows the shape of your, of your face. And on that app, it's called the Skin360 app. You can see your face with the mask over the top of it and how it would look like. Then you get a little scanner, a skin scanner, that attaches to the back of an iPhone for you to do a closer scan of your skin. Now, with the scanner, it then can pinpoint trouble spots on your skin. So it will tell you whether you need more attention on your forehead or around your nose or on your chin, and it will then use that information to come up with a personalized 3D printed sheet mask. So it is it is tailored to you. So it looks at the six different zones of the face, your forehead, your eyes, your nose, cheeks, chin, uh, and the nasolabial fold, so that's probably around your face, and it will then put in the different bits of hyaluronic acid that you need, moisturizer, vitamin B3, uh, glucosamine, all these things that you need, it will then put it in the right part of the mask. And it's all determined using the app and the skin scanner. Neutrogena, they are a very well-known beauty company, and they're going to deliver to you a personalized skin mask for you that is tailored to address your skin needs. So you'll be looking better than ever. Skin, uh, Neutrogena and Volo and Weltbelt. You can read about all of those stories at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is brought to you by Netgear and they're issuing the Orbi Home Wi-Fi Challenge. They want to give you the chance to have better home Wi-Fi or your money back. You need to buy an Orbi Wi-Fi kit, and if it doesn't improve your home Wi-Fi, they'll give you your money back. The Orbi Wi-Fi systems are designed for any size home, large or small. Apartments and lofts to single-family homes and sprawling estates. No more dead zones, no black spots, just better Wi-Fi everywhere. And for those times when you need a little more, Orbi add-on satellites gives you additional coverage inside and out. Perfect for your backyards, garages, and even the granny flat. In today's modern household, Orbi's tri-band Wi-Fi system lets you stream your favorite movies in 4K and play online games by providing ultra-fast Wi-Fi speeds no matter how many devices are connected. Orbi plugs into your existing modem and it's really easy to set up with just a couple of clicks. And not only does it work great, it looks great too and blends into your home's decor. Orbi's the easiest, fastest and most expansive and advanced mesh Wi-Fi system network available today. And don't forget, take the Orbi Wi-Fi Challenge. Better home Wi-Fi or your money back. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk, we had a couple of questions from our readers. The first was from a parent who had just given their, their child their first phone. And their question to us was, okay, my child's got a phone. Now, how do I keep an eye on them? My response to that was using Family Zone. This is, this is great software that you can install on devices, uh, monitor it from the cloud, and it allows you to monitor what your children do on their devices, whether they're at home on your network or out. So when you give your child a phone, you're giving them 
a mini computer that connects to the internet. Now, if they're at home on your computer, you're not going to let them look at anything they want. So the the expectation is for them to have this, for you to have the same kind of control uh, on their smartphone. And with Family Zone, it lets you do it. So Family Zone lets you set the age of your child, uh, then also set what they can and can't look at in terms of apps, websites. You can even do things like controlling screen time, uh, and all these sorts of things are all controllable through a central dashboard on your phone, on your tablet, or on your PC at home. And all this information is stored in the cloud. So whenever your child is trying to access something they're not supposed to, Family Zone comes into play doesn't allow them to to access that that type of app or that type of website. So you can set what they look at, screen time, all of those things, whether they're accessing social media, all these sorts of things you'll be able to look at using Family Zone. So if you're a parent and your child, you're just giving your child a phone, you want to sort of keep an eye on what they're doing or make sure they don't access things they're not supposed to, then Family Zone is a great solution. I did have one other... um, a question from a reader who wanted some advice on an app idea they had. They didn't tell me the idea of the app, but they said, where do I start? I've got this great idea for an app. I want to know where to start. Well, my advice is that the first thing you need to do is make sure that your idea is is there's not many people that have got it and hopefully no one else has got your idea. If you've come up with an idea for, uh, let's just say, renting out your home for people to stay in or maybe renting, allowing people to drive people around in their cars, then those ideas have been invented. They're called Airbnb and Uber. So if you've got this great idea, do your research to make sure no one else has come up with it. Or if they have come up with it, make sure yours is better and and does it in a better way. It just takes it further. So once you've got that step out the way, and I'm sure people who want to go ahead and create an app have probably already done that, have already gone through that step, then you really need to find a developer. It's just just like finding a a person to build your website. The, The same companies can also build apps as well. So if you've got an app that you think is worth building, then maybe get on the phone, so ask some questions about the cost of doing something like that. What does it involve? Uh, and not all apps are the same, so costs can can vary from one app to the other. Uh, and hopefully, if it comes to if you do need to discuss that idea, then you can trust that company. You perhaps maybe come up with a non-disclosure agreement that you both sign and allow you then to talk about your idea. And this company you know then cannot take advantage of that because you know on a certain day that you told them about this so that you kind of protected there anyway. But uh, I think you, you can expect a fair level of confidentiality, especially for new developers. But they're the basics there. Uh, I think you, you need someone to build the app. Unless you want to learn how to build it yourself, you do need to go to a developer to create it for you. And they're, they're everywhere. You can find them uh, on the internet. You can find them anywhere. You just search for app developers and you'll get lots and lots of results here in Australia. Uh, and it's just worth a phone call maybe discussing the logistics, you may be surprised at uh, how little or how much an app may cost to build. Speaking from experience, I've created an app, created it many years ago. It's still going strong today, VoiceBite. Uh, that's cost a fair bit of money because it involves uh, setting up a back end and having this accessibility anywhere and it needs to be fast and it needs to be able to uh, be used on a website as well as on an app and on a phone and all these sorts of things. So uh, 
uh, that did take a lot of uh, a lot of involvement, a lot of cost. Uh, we have in, have had investors that are, that have uh, have joined us on, on on this as well. So that that's another part of it too, and and another idea too. If you want to if you want to get some investors on board, maybe seek out some uh, some some venture capitalists who you might want to pitch them the idea. They might want to fund the whole thing for a certain amount of equity or half of it. So there's plenty of options for those who've got a great idea for an app. Plenty of ways for you to bring it to the world. And that's the end of our show for this week. You can read about everything we've spoken about, of course, at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can click through on the icons on Tech Guide and record a lovely voice bite for me. That'll I'll play that on the show and we'll answer your question live on the Tech Guide podcast. Or if you want to send me an email, we accept those as well, info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you, your family, and your devices safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.